Hey everybody, welcome back to Renewables. We're very excited and proud to have John Martin on our show this week, the president and COO of Biostar Organics, our organic fertilizer business. We're going to talk about our patented product, Super 6, today. We're going to talk about our origin story and, and how this all started. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Uh, happy to be here. It's uh, been a long journey for us at Biostar Organics. Uh, we started the company in 2009, and uh, it's been a long time getting to where we are now. I'm excited to tell the story. Great. And is this your first ever podcast? It is. Awesome. I've seen some, but never been a part of one. Awesome. Well, very excited to have you. There's really nobody better to tell our origin story than you. You're a great storyteller anyways, but but you've been there from the beginning. Um, and by the way, this is the first of a four-part series about our waste to energy and fertilizer business. Uh, and we also get into our renewable natural gas business, which is, of course, a byproduct of, of the process. So uh, please stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and check up uh, on our follow-up episodes, which are going to be with Peter Gohausen discussing the renewable natural gas market and our business there. Uh, we're going to have Alan Philo on, who is a farming and soil expert, to talk about really the down-in-the-weeds details of our fertilizer and how it works and some of our uh, success thus far in crop studies. And then we're going to have a fourth part uh, where we bring in some other experts to talk about some of the environmental benefits of Super 6. Uh, but let's dive in with John and just start a little bit. Uh, just kind of set the stage for our viewers and listeners. Tell everybody a little bit about your background, uh, background in construction and, and real estate. And then, and then we'll get into kind of your first memories of the organic fertilizer business. Great. So I'm a fourth generation general contractor. Started out building homes and moved into residential uh, multifamily projects and into commercial projects and got into the real estate development business. Uh, the last part of my career, I was president and CEO of uh, an $800 million a year commercial construction company. And I also uh, was part of a real estate development team that developed commercial, uh, resident, I mean, not residential, uh, retail uh, shopping centers and entertainment centers. I retired at the end of 2007 and was looking for something to do. And my friend Bill Love, who I'd met in early in our commercial construction career together in 1990, Bill and I had run into one another. And uh, Bill and I were talking one day and Bill said, I have this project that I've been invested in and I'd like to, you to look at it to see what you think about it. And so he sent me over this business plan for this little company called Biostar systems and Biosar systems at the time uh, was working on a process in which they took organic material and treated that organic material in a process called anaerobic digestion and the, the byproduct of the anaerobic digestion was methane and they were taking the methane at that point in time and and using it for uh, natural gas or using it to fire generators to make electricity that's what was happening when I first got involved with Biostar Systems. Bill asked me to go down and meet with the person who had started Biostar Systems. His name was Dennis Crabtree. So I happened to be in Florida on spring break in 2000 
10-9. And I called Dennis and we met on the front porch of the Cracker Barrel in Sarasota, Florida. We sat there on those rocking chairs and we started talking about the organic business, anaerobic digestion, renewable natural gas, and I, I was totally in awe because I had no idea what he was really talking about. And so finally I looked at Dennis and I said, well, Dennis, tell me, tell me how this works. You, you put the stuff in a chicken manure in a tank and you, you heat it up and stir it up and he, he said, yeah, he says, just like your stomach, these little bugs in there eat all this organic material and they make methane. That's exactly how it works. And it's like, well, their, their bell went off. It's like, oh, I understand now. Yeah. It, this is just a naturally occurring process. Sure. And he and Dennis said, yeah. He said, he said, think of it like this. All the natural gas in the earth was made the same way. All that organic material was buried years and years ago. And in the absence of oxygen, the naturally occurring bacteria consume all that organic material and make methane. And that's where all the natural gas in the world comes from. Hmm. And it's like, wow. Yeah. So Dennis says, yeah. So what we do is we take that organic material, put it in a big tank, heat it up and stir it up, and we make in 20 days what it takes 200 years to make in the earth. And basically that's what renewable natural gas is. Yeah. And so it was like, well, that got my attention. Sure. And so it was like, okay. And then and at the time, Dennis said, and then after we're finished with making all the methane, we still have all these nutrients in this liquid material. And so we, we filter the liquid, we filter the solid material out and we dry it out and we make, we make organic fertilizer. So we make renewable natural gas and we make organic fertilizer. And so this was, like I said, in March of 2009. So I came back home and started talking to Bill about what I thought about the possibilities may be. And Dennis is working on a farm in the middle of Missouri to build a digester on a, on a uh, poultry farm. And so Bill and I uh, went down to meet the owner of the poultry farm with Dennis to talk about what we could do going forward. And at the time, at that point in time, when Dennis first started the process, the cost of natural gas was between eight and nine dollars per unit that right. you buy it in. And by the time we started talking, um, the new systems to collect natural gas had come into play, and so shale gas was cheap, and so the price of natural gas had dropped to a point where it was costing us more money to clean the gas and put it in a pipeline than it was worth. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, we're standing there one day on this farm. The farm happens to be located about a mile from Whiteman Air Force Base, which is the home of the B-2 bomber in the United States. So every B-2 bomber in the United States lives in Whiteman Air Force Base. We're standing there with this farmer, and a B-2 and a B-2 bomber flies over, and we all look up. And I looked at Bill and I said, "I wonder if the Air Force would want to buy this renewable natural gas from us." Mm. And it was like. Well, that's an opportunity because there's an Air Force base right next to us. And so one thing led to another. We called the uh, energy manager for the Air Combat Command, and, and he said, you know, we were just mandated 
to buy 30% of our energy portfolio from renewable resources. So we'll buy all the renewable natural gas that you can make for us. And so <laughs> at that point in time now, we had we had income from renewable natural gas and we had income from this organic fertilizer that we made. So we started, that kicked us off, we started developing our first plant. So uh, it ended up that uh, we built the first plant in California. Uh, we worked on our first plant in California. Uh, Bill's cousin was from uh, Sonoma, California. Uh, in Sonoma County, California, all the uh, egg-laying farmers in Northern California live in Petaluma, and all the egg-laying chickens live in Petaluma, so there was an endless supply of feedstock for our digester. Mm. So we started and designed our project there. And when we got to California and announced what we were doing, the Sonoma County Water Agency called us and said, we want to buy all your gas because we want to be carbon free by the year 2020. Now, this was 2010 mm -hmm. when we went there. And so it's like, wow, that's, that'd be great. We'll right. make this gas, you'll buy it. And they said, uh, we'll let you build your plant inside one of our wastewater treatment plants. And so it was like, well, this is a perfect scenario. We're going to take chicken manure and we're going to process it. We're going to make methane and we're going to make renewable natural gas, which we're going to sell to the Sonoma County Water Agency. And, and then with the rest of it, we'll put it in a pipeline and sell it to uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E. And so we formulated that entire process and, and, and started the uh, permitting process in California. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that happened in the process was the Sonoma County Water Agency came to us and said, what are you going to do with all the water that's left when you're finished? So you're going to take this digestion water, take the solids out, dry them out, and make organic fertilizer. What are you going to do with the rest of this water? And we said, well, we're building it in a wastewater treatment plant, so we'll just give it to you and let you treat it. Right. And they said, well, that might work, but we need to know what's in it. And so we ran some analysis, and it turned out that this wastewater was so full of nitrogen that we were gonna to have to pay a huge surcharge in order to dump this wastewater through uh, into the Sonoma County Water Agency's wastewater treatment plant. So we announced that we were gonna build this plant and it just happens that uh, there's a company in Kansas City that's called MRI Global now, at the time it was called Midwest Research Institute. Mm -hmm. And they had a they had a research farm in Butler, Missouri, where they were trying to grow algae. And one of the byproducts of anaerobic digestion is carbon dioxide. And they called us and said, could we take your carbon dioxide, put it in our algae growing tanks to see if we can grow algae faster so we can make biodiesel fuel. Hmm. And so we struck a deal with them to have them build a digester. We put the chicken manure in the digester and did a, our exact process. They captured the CO2 to make algae and we tried to find a way to clean up the water. Hmm. Well, what we would do is when, when we're finished with the digester, after that 20 days of making methane, we would we'd take the material, we'd measure how much nitrogen was in that material. And because nitrogen is the key part of fertilizer. And so at that point we had so many pounds of nitrogen, and then we'd, we'd take the solids out, and we'd run the solids through a dryer, and we'd measure how much nitrogen we had left, and we found out that we only had half as much as we had when we started. Hmm. And so, it's like, where'd the rest go? Well, so hmm. it turns out, in this 
component of digestate, which is the product of an anaerobic digester, there's two types of nitrogen. There's NO, natural occurring nitrogen, and there's NH4, which is ammonia. And what would happen was when we would dry the material out, once we reached a temperature of like 135 to 150 degrees, the ammonia would volatize and just go up smokestack exactly. into the atmosphere huh. and be gone. Yeah. And so, and so we tried to figure out a way that we could actually capture that material uh, so we could have more pounds of nitrogen to sell as organic fertilizer. Sure. So, uh, so Bill and I uh, aren't scientists. Uh, so I was going to say, your background is in real estate and construction. You've kind of become a scientist, it seems. I mean, there's, there's a, this is pretty technical, and you've, you've had to learn a lot, it sounds like, uh, over the years about the science behind all this. It was really interesting because Dennis was a scientist, yeah. and Dennis was, when we first started the company, uh, Dennis has since passed away, but Dennis was a scientist, and so I spent lots and lots of time with Dennis trying to perfect these techniques. Sure. It was interesting because at the time, this was back in 2010 and 11, when we were we had this huge pilot being run by Midwest Research Institute, we actually paid them to run the pilot, so we would have some third party validation. It wouldn't sure. be wasn't Bill and John making this up. It was right. MRI Global was gonna was gonna give us third party validation. So uh, yeah, so we hired all these wastewater treatment plant people to come in and help us try to figure out how to keep this material and. And, and Dennis and I had this philosophical difference because I cared more about capturing the nitrogen. And Dennis said, well, the only fertilizer you can sell right now is dry granular fertilizer. There's no market for liquid fertilizer. Hmm. Well, it turned out the only way we could collect this ammonia, this NH4 that was available in, in the digestate, was to turn it into a liquid. Hmm. So we were able to capture the naturally occurring ammonia process it through uh, pH adjustment, stabilize it into a, a liquid product. And so we had captured then all the, all the nitrogen, all the ammonia in our waste stream and were able to get it into this liquid product. The, the problem was the liquid product had all the ammonia, but it had a concentration level of about six, of about six tenths of a percent to one percent. Hmm. And so we were end up, we ended up with a, with the solution that had a lot of a lot of nitrogen in it, but it was mostly water, hmm. and so uh, the real key to what we figured out was how to take the water out of this solution without volatizing the ammonia out. Hmm. So it's easy to get rid of water; you just boil it. Right. But if you boil this water at 212 degrees, all this ammonia is gone okay. before you ever. And so what we we figured a way to do that. We stabilized the ammonia in the solution, and we put this product under a vacuum, and we boiled the water off at 106 degrees instead of 212 degrees. That way, we were able to capture all the all the ammonia in our product, and we were able to concentrate that product up to 60,000 parts per million. And, and so, therefore, that's that's six percent. And so, we end up making a product we call Super Six. And so. Uh, Fascinating. And how many years, I mean, when did the product, did you have kind of the, the final product that you knew, okay, this is something we could take to market? What, what year was that if well, you started in 09? So, so what we, 
So, so the revelation was, okay, now you've captured all this nitrogen. So you've got, you got nitrogen in granular product, which is organic nitrogen, and then you have this ammonia product. So now we're success, successfully, we've captured it all. Now what do we do with it? Right. So uh, Bill and I had before ounce bottles of Super 6. And, and Bill and I, I'll never forget, we got on a plane, we flew to California, and we started in the San Joaquin Valley on one end, and we drove all the way through the San Joaquin Valley talking to every farmer we could talk to about this product. And they all looked at it, and they said, what is it? And we told them, and they said, we've never seen a product like that. Yeah, really. And so now in a we, liquid state. In a liquid, yeah. We've right. never seen a product like that that had ammoniacal nitrogen in it. We've never seen an organic product that had ammoniacal nitrogen in it. And they said, well, this is, this is it. And they said, well, it'd be great, but we can't use it. We can't use it unless it's certified by an organic material review institute. So that's the USDA runs those material review institutes. And so the big one is OMRI. It's the Organic Material Review Institute. And so they said, if you can get this product OMRI approved, we would use it. And so we didn't know how to do that. And so it took us a year to figure out how to go through that process. Yeah. And so then we were able to get the product OMRI approved. Um, and then it was like, maybe we should patent this process because nobody's ever figured out how to do this before. We're the only ones that have figured it out. So sure. let's file for a patent and see if we can patent it. And so in fact we did. And it took us about the same period of time to get the patent done as it did to get OMRI approval. So at some point in the future then we had a patent for our product and we had a product that we could actually sell to the market. Mm. So we went to all, of, all the people and all the farmers and showed them the product. They tried the product and said we really, really like it. Uh, and so then we started trying to build our, our first plants. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword making something for the first time. <laughs> it's a really good product, but nobody's ever seen it before, and it's really hard to find someone to finance a, a brand new product sure. that nobody's ever seen before. And so one of the big questions is, who are you gonna sell that product to? Mm -hmm. And so we would say, we're gonna sell it to the farmers, and they would say, well, you need to get us contracts from those farmers to buy that product before we'll be able to give you the financing to put it together. Sure. So it took, it took some period of time before we could prove that the product worked, and then we could get buyers to give us contracts that would back up um, uh, the capital necessary to build the plants. Yeah. So that's taken some time. We actually started commercial production of Super 6 in 2017 in Othello, Washington. Uh, and uh, at this point in time, uh, we've sold every gallon we can make, and we've started uh, we started on some other endeavors to make um, to make it in different facilities. Uh, you want to talk about uh, the, the the plant in San Bernardino? Yeah, we should definitely get to San Bernardino because I, I mean, at this point, that's kind of our our flagship plant, right? It's a really cool story out in California. But before we before we go there. Um, just spend a little bit of time explaining to our viewers who aren't, don't have a science background um, or just at a higher level, kind of why that Super 6 product is so unique and important 
um, and why the need for fertilizer, frankly, is, is unique and important. Yeah, well, there's, that's a long story in itself, the birth of fertilizer. Uh, back before World War I in the late 1800s, uh, the world was starving to death because it didn't have any fertilizer. The only fertilizer that was available was manure. Mm -hmm. And so there were great piles of manure in South America for bird manure. And they collected this guano and shipped it around the world. And it was great stuff. It worked perfectly, except they were running out of it. So in the late 1800s, uh, two smart guys in Germany, Haber and Bosch, got together and figured out how to make a fertilizer product. The key being, the air is 78% nitrogen, and so there's nitrogen all around us, but it's in a free form. Plants can't take in free nitrogen. Plants have to have the nitrogen in a fixed form in order to take it in. Hmm. So manure has a fixed form of nitrogen. Manure has fixed urea. It has fixed organic nitrogen. The soils are the soil materials and the microbes in the soil are able to break those down and readily take them in. Urea being the one that's most readily available. So. Um, Two German scientists decided they would try to find a way to make uh, fixed nitrogen. Mm. And so they developed a process called the Haber-Bosch process, which is still in use today, which takes air, puts it under a tremendous amount of heat and pressure and runs it over a catalyst, breaks that nitrogen molecule down, connects it up with the hydrogen molecule to make ammonia. Mm. And then from there it's processed from an ammonia gas into uh, ammonium, which is a liquid form, and it's changed the world because mm -hmm. at that point in time, the world had the best fertilizer, a fixed form of nitrogen that it could use. Mm -hmm. And so that stayed in that form. All the agriculture world used nitrogen. At some point in time, organic growers decided it was important to make the soil healthy, and this product, this fixed nitrogen product that was made from urea, did nothing to make the soil healthy, it mm. just grew plants. And so in the process of growing a plant, it takes 16 micro and macronutrients to grow a plant. If all you do is put urea on the ground, at some point in time, you're gonna take everything else out of that land mm. and it's not gonna be able to grow the plants the way it should grow them because it doesn't have any micro and macronutrients left. So therefore, the organic movement comes around. This is we need to replenish all these soils that we've been stripping all these micro and macronutrients out of. Mm. So let's start putting manure back on the ground. Let's keep doing what we used to do. Yeah. And so that that that's where the organic movement came, mm. which is great. Um, the organic movement makes healthy soil. Healthy soil does grow plants. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a fixed form of readily available nitrogen, those plants grow much faster. Sure. The the point being uh, without urea or without an NH4 type product, the, the nitrogen that's placed on the ground has to be treated by the microbes in the soil to turn it into NH4 before the plants can take it in. Mm -hmm. so, so therefore what's happened over the years is the organic growers in the process of trying to make the soil healthy, they also need nitrogen. And so since they don't know exactly when that nitrogen is going to come out, because mm -hmm. the soil conditions and the moisture conditions have to be just right for those microbes to break that nitrogen molecule down, they over-fertilize. And so what happens is the product runs in the river, and mm -hmm. the rivers get 
uh, get polluted with phosphorus and, 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 uh, and nitrogen, and so that, that's been a problem. So one of the things that Super 6 helps is the farmer knows exactly when that product's going to get taken in by the plant mm. because it's going to get taken in by the plant as soon as he puts it on the Immediately. plant. Immediately. It acts identically to synthetic urea, mm. but it is a naturally occurring urea and it's captured from an organic material. Yeah. Um, so up until 2011 when we started making it, organic growers didn't have access to a product like it. Mm -hmm. So we actually made the first product that was able to capture the naturally occurring urea from the manure and concentrate it up to a level that made it economically viable to sell and use for the farmer. Wow. So. All while making renewable natural gas. Exactly. And the, the, the final output of what we make in our, in our process of making the Super 6 uh, is clean water. So let's talk about this digester where we take a digester, we put 100,000 gallons of organically rich material in this digester. Uh, we keep it in that digester for 20 days, then we take it out and we make all this fertilizer and then we make clean water on the back end. So in our process, we end up taking 100,000 gallons, this is rough numbers, 100,000 gallons a day of organic material. We make methane, which we can use to burn uh, in generators to make uh, electricity or renewable natural gas. And then we make organic fertilizer and, it, and clean water. And out of this 100,000 gallons that we take in on a daily basis, we would return over 80,000 gallons of clean water that could be wow. used to drink, feed the animals, or for, for any use because wow. it's that clean. That's incredible. So, um, and I think one of our, our smaller projects, we were actually able to achieve a, a permit to, it's so clean we could dump that water into the river. Is that is that yeah. accurate? So it depends on the, the requirement of how clean it needs to be, mm -hmm. but uh, we have, uh, we have, applied for and received the NSDS permit to dump the water in the Sheboygan River in Wisconsin. So yeah. uh, we clean the water enough to make it potable. In fact, uh, if you go to our website and look at our video, you can you can watch me drink a, a glass of water that was made from cow manure. <laughs> <laughs> How did it taste? Tastes like water. How did it smell? <laughs> it smelled like water. <laughs> okay, good, good. All right, fair enough. Wow, that's incredible. And the, the clean water you know, issue is something that I think in America we don't necessarily feel as much as other places in the world. Uh, just, I mean, we're very fortunate to have water readily available, but it's getting a lot more expensive. And so certainly, you know, businesses are, have started to feel that even just consumers in your home, um, certainly here in Kansas City, seen the price of water go up a lot significantly in the last few years. And so that's such a, um, it really paints such a circular picture. Uh, it's really, really neat to hear you talk about that. And thank you for going a little bit into the weeds, hopefully for our, our listeners and viewers. We didn't get too in the weeds there, but uh, I think you did it. Alan. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Alan will get in the weeds for sure. Um, but so thank you for, for dump, jumping into the Super 6 product. And, um, and I do want to shift now to California and our San Bernardino Waste Energy Plant because um, what an amazing um, reward for the last 11 years 
of hard work that you've put in to see this this beautiful plant um, you know become a success and become a reality so I want you to tell that story and our amazing editing team uh, Spencer and Ashley and Lindsay are gonna cut in some photos and videos uh, over, over the our video here to show our listeners and viewers uh, what the plant actually looks like it's it's beautiful and really impressive so kind of from the beginning uh, walk us through don't have to get too in the weeds but high level you know what what are we what problems are we solving out there in San Bernardino um, what is the the waste that we're taking in and and how the process works so uh, we have a project in San Bernardino California uh, it's called organic energy solutions uh, so that product processes organic waste uh, it was it was one of the big emphases to start the project was the fact that the state of California banned organic material from being placed in landfills so they could control methane emissions. Mm -hmm. So most of the methane emissions in California come from landfills. Mm -hmm. So if you put organic material in a landfill, just like we make it in this big tank where we heat it up and make methane, you put organic material in a landfill, cover it up, and it makes methane, and so that methane escapes into the environment. Sure. And so it's a, it's a greenhouse gas that's 21 times more hazardous than CO2. Okay. So California's passed a law, let's keep this organic waste out of these landfills. So one of the, one of the ways to do that is put it in our anaerobic digester. So yeah. we take pre-consumer food waste, slurry it into a liquid form, and put it in our anaerobic digesters there. We have, uh, we, in that particular project, we take in 85,000 gallons a day of food waste wow. and process that food waste. We make uh, 600 SCFM, which is standard cubic feet per minute of methane, hmm. which we burn in two 1.3 megawatt generators to produce 2.6 megawatts of electricity. We sell that electricity to Southern California Edison right on their grid. And then uh, with what's left over, uh, we put it through our nutrient recovery system and we make uh, liquid organic fertilizer. We make a composting material that, that, that is used in the state of California to add to their, their composting. The solids that we take out of our product, we, we use it for composting. And then we return back, we return back uh, 64,000 gallons a day of clean water to the processing plant. Wow. So um, that, product, that project started in, uh, in 2019. Um, because of COVID, we, we were having a setback. The, the Southern California Edison was uh, intended to hook the electricity up to that site in April of 2020. Mm -hmm. It actually got hooked up on December the 18th of 2020. And so um, we Sounds like a COVID timeline. COVID, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's about nine, nine months. So what are we going to do now? Right. So the good news is uh, the energy plant is 100% finished. We're actually making energy now. Um, and the nutrient recovery system uh, will be finished in the next... 60 to 90 days and will be fully operational hopefully uh, by the end of April. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations. You practically lived in California for what, a year, year and a half uh, supervising this plant, so. Yes, we did. Uh, and we, uh, so my, uh, 
partner Ryan Krause, the plant manager, who actually, Ryan actually helped us make Super 6 in Butler, Missouri. He yeah. worked for Midwest Research Institute. And so uh, Ryan and I, uh, we live in the foothills up above San Bernardino uh, and have since uh, the middle of 2019. Yeah. So you've gotten very familiar with that 8 a.m. Southwest flight. Well, actually, the, <laughs> now uh, <laughs> there are other options. Yeah. Yeah. American has a flight that leaves a little earlier and yeah. gets there a little earlier. Yeah. So, but it's good. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it's great to hear from your perspective, kind of where this all started. And then um, I was really happy that we were able to give our viewers uh, make sure if you're listening to this on Spotify or some other platform, Go check us out on YouTube, uh, look at our YouTube channel, and you can see some of the B-roll and photos from our plant, uh, which are, are hugely impressive, and, and a huge kudos to you, John, for, for getting it done, and, um, and we're really excited. How many gallons a year? So we take in 85,000 gallons a day, and that comes in on big trucks, right? There's like trucks that divert this waste, basically, from landfills. Yes. And then how many gallons a year of our product do we make uh, the fertilizer product that we can put into the market? That plant will make about 850,000 gallons a year. Okay. So now the great news is um, for us, the great news is it's going to be the first really fully operational, commercially functioning plant doing what it's doing in the state of California. Wow. And and now all these other cities have this edict that sure. they must continue to keep their organic material from the landfill. So the opportunity for expansion for our company in the state of Southern California is, is very high. Sure. To be the first of anything energy-related in California is a big deal. They're, they're usually uh, pretty far ahead of the curve. So right. Yeah, that's true. That's uh that's, and sometimes it might not be a good thing to be the first in California, but hopefully that's not true in this case. <laughs> so uh, once you've done one and you know um, where the pitfalls lie as yeah. far as permitting and, and those uh, those issues, it, hopefully the next plan will be easier. Sure, sure. Um, always good to have lessons learned. Well, thank you for coming on, and, and please make sure to tune in to the following episodes because we really didn't even get in today to... What types of crops are people using this product to grow? And uh, we didn't really get into the organic, you know, food market in general and the growth we've seen there. But we get into all of that with Alan Philo, um, another one of our fertilizer experts, in a later episode. Uh, so please make sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast and tune in. We really appreciate everyone listening in today, and really appreciate you being on the show, John. Uh, hopefully. It's your first podcast, but but not your last. Please come on later this year uh, to tell us, give us an update on how things are going. And uh, we look forward to checking in maybe later in 2021. Yeah, be happy to. Thanks. Awesome. David. Thanks a lot, John.